Near FM. Now, it is my pleasure to welcome, as always at this time on a Monday, editor of the Northside People, uh, Padraig Condon. Padraig, good afternoon and welcome to the programme. Hi, Adoni. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon to you as well. Now, uh, this week's uh, Northside People is uh, out there for our listeners and uh, Padraig is going to run through some of the items covered, not all, just some of the items covered. We don't, we don't want you to get all your information <laughs> here. So, Parik, where are we kicking off this week? Well, I suppose um, a bit of good news um, portraying. There was announced last week that twelve derelict cottages on the um, on the campus at St Edith's campus. Um, they're going to be refurbished and used for social housing, according to Minister Darrell O'Brien. Um, now, I, I suppose people from the area would know these cottages. They're they're, they're very very well known in the area, and um, they, they make uh, grand homes. And um, this has been uh, kind of an endeavour that's been going on for the last few years. And um, since the hospital closed in 2014, but um, I know uh, Councillor um, Adrian Henchy um, last year um, asked the council to explore the possibility of restoring these cottages. Um, but they were told that. It was a no-go. So following, I don't know, was it the intervention of Minister Darrell O'Brien? Um, he says that, um, you know, they're more or less, um, in principle, um, the go-ahead for, for them to be refurbished. I suppose it's a bit of good news, but so a lot of people are saying as well, like, it's okay, 12, 12 houses, only another, what, 6,000 vacant properties in, in Dublin to... <laughs> to, to go like so I suppose it is a start and you know I don't want to be making light of you know it is much needed housing stock that's going to be freed up but you know it's, it's 12 it's a it's um, a drop in the ocean isn't it it is and of course I suppose most importantly uh, which I find surprising as you said there are 12 it doesn't you know okay it's 12 more that they'll have uh, in stock whatever but you know it's not as though that this is something that had to be put on the table in front of uh, Dar O'Brien. He's the minister. He's the local man. He's out that near neck of the woods. He should know every inch of that territory. Exactly. I think as well, there's quite a bit of fanfare over the this as well. Like I mean, you know, very. Um, I suppose uh, glad to share this news when they got there with um, you know over twelve houses. Imagine what it'd be like when they when they tell us that the, you know they're going to free up three or four thousand. Of these um, vacant properties, much. I know it is a start. Like, and yeah, it's a funny thing. What? Actually, I did. I, I have to be doing a little bit of research in relation to something else that's coming up shortly. And I, I was just looking at the, the amount of uh, vacant properties that's around Dublin. And uh, God, you know, I know, like, as the more than yourself, uh, Patrick, from travelling around, like, you'll see the border of properties here and there. But when you see it all together in one figure of the amount of them that's boarded up, it is absolutely shocking. They've been talking about this kind of vacant homes tax for ages. Like we see, supposedly it is coming in October in the budget, but um, we'll see. Um, it's, it's absolutely crazy. A lot of these uh, properties are owned by the council as well. That's what's even more. Uh, I know uh, South Dublin County Council have, have a good few vacant properties around around the Tala area and boarded up. Um, you know, you've got to wonder what. I know questions have been asked and stuff, and they say, you know, these things take time, etc., etc. There's always there's always an answer, isn't there? Like, you know, um, but something really needs to be done quickly because they, said, they tell us like the councils don't want to build social housing. They don't. They've come out 
Keegan came out last year, uh, CEO of DCC, and said, you know, that you know they didn't want to be property developers, and you know, okay, which is fair enough. But they've, when they've got, they've already got a lot of these properties um, on their books, surely, you know, at least make them usable like, for families. And just, you know, I, I, yeah, to be honest with you, you get flustered just talking about this every, you know, constantly, you know, either dealing with in the papers. Or, talking to people and this doesn't seem to be any end in sight you know rents are spiraled out of control there is no stock to even rent um, you know it's, I don't know where we go from here to be honest with you because you become very cynical listening to the same kind of for the last few years. Well, you do, Patrick, and especially, uh, I just went back into that bit of research that I was talking about just to put this in context for our listeners this afternoon. There are t- over 37,000 vacant properties yep. in Dublin. Over 37,000. Yep. Nationally, nationally, there are not of 166,000 vacant properties. So, I mean, we're talking about building and uh, all that we've got 37 properties 37,000 properties sitting idle in Dublin alone and 166,000 nationally so I mean uh, I don't know Uh, it makes no sense to me like why and if if it's a thing that they're too far gone to bring them back into service well demolish them and you have the footprint there and build another one in its place instead of all the palaver of trying to acquire sites, getting planning permission, doing this, doing that. We definitely, we've Olympic medals in, in kicking the can down the road at this stage. Oh, definitely, Tony, definitely. It's a, I said, you're listening to, I'm sure yourself, you've, I suppose you've talked to a lot of these people as well. At the whole face of the, you know, housing crisis on both sides, um, you know, government people and everything, it's just always the same. You know, I went to talks with Owen Murphy before four or five years ago and you know Gale we're going to sort out the housing crisis and if it's got worse it's not, I'm not blaming him I'm not pointing finger at him I know it's a global problem but you know construction costs now are going to go through the roof uh, I don't know what, what do we have to be building something like 40, 50 thousand units a year this yeah, well, 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 like I said, like I go back to my core point in this part of our chat, uh, Patrick, because there's 37,000 of them sitting idle in Dublin. There's 166,000 of them sitting idle nationwide. Now, I don't know, but unless my maths are totally off the scale altogether, um, that would go a long way towards alleviating the housing crisis. Absolutely, absolutely. And then some, like, you know what I mean, it could actually... You know, going forward as well, like, and I'm sure quite a lot of those buildings aren't, you know, for demolition as well. You know what I mean? I'm sure that. Look, I'd say there's an awful lot of them that a week or two with a with a team of of yeah. of, of um, tradespeople in there and that have them turned around, no problem at all. Absolutely. Anyway, Patrick, um, the editor of the Northside People and the presenter of uh, Northside today are not going to be called upon by the uh, great and the good to solve the housing crisis. Let's move on. What else have we? Yeah, so um, so um, Desi Ellis, of course TD, is, uh, he raised an issue in the doll there recently, um, which is actually quite concerning for us. It was the future of Ballymun because um, he's pointed out that uh, there's been a cost to the Ballymun Regeneration Fund, um, which he says the quote is not acceptable. Um, he shared details of the fact that apparently the um, the previous um, 
budget on the fund was three. It needs 3.4 million per year, but this has now been reduced uh, to 1.7 million, and, and it's to be now provided by Dun City Council. Now, he makes the point that you know that's that's quite you know it's obviously quite a cost, but there's a lot of projects that are already on the long finger, which could now be in jeopardy um, because of this cost. For example, you know regeneration of um, the, the the old Ballymun Shopping Centre site. Like there was big plans for that, um, but this is another one of these that's been every couple of years. There was, you know, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And so, so you know, supposedly, um, you know, the, this land is supposed to be is going to be um, divided up into a few different sites. Um, there's going to be, you know, uh, food and craft stalls. Um, you know, I think it'll be part of the MetroLink site, which if that ever goes ahead as well, will be on this. So. Um, yeah, but you know, with with this cut now as well, all this is putting jeopardy again. Well, I mean, that's that's literally mm-hmm. halved it. Three point four under one point yeah. seven. That's cut it in yeah. two. Yeah, and um, you know, this is apparently these these plans for the the shopping centre site they're, they're included in the Valley One local area plan for twenty seventeen. <laughs> like so, you know, um, it's just you know, one of the it is the area is missing something. I think you know to kind of. Bring it to hold it. Bring it together would be the you know what I mean. At the moment, there is no kind of centre to Valley Mund. You know what I mean? There's yeah, and, and it was everything always thus really as such, you know. I mean, even when the towers were there, it was still a fragmented community. Even though there's a there's a great sense of community around it, but in saying that, like it is, it, it has been. There's no point in calling a spade an agricultural implement here, Patrick. It has been neglected by successive governments. something that we will be keeping an eye on and I will be uh, trying to cover it myself here on uh, a Monday in the near future because uh, you know I don't like really I think there's enough good news out there that you know the mainstream media seem to cover a lot of the bad stuff but I mean at the end of the day I think it's kind of imperative on us and not telling you your business but we need to give a voice to the people who wouldn't ordinarily get one and um, I mean Barry you telling me that <clears throat> I wouldn't have known about that cut in approach like that's a savage cut for an area that really it it needs over investment not to cut the investment oh, yeah. that was planned in half mm, exactly I think there's a loss that's you know a, a lot of uh, amenities need to be provided there and you even wonder you know there's not going to be much change in us you know it's what was it 1.7 a year well, as you said, Parik, I mean, when you factor in the uh, the increased cost of building, like 1.7 will go nowhere. No, no, exactly. Um, I, 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 I'd imagine there'll be, there'll be more. Um, we're going to hear a bit more about that because that's an outrageous cut, to be honest with you. Isn't it like over, what is this, 50%? So... We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that we'll, we'll keep both eyes on it ok Patrick where do we go from there uh, well I suppose we'll have another kind of big story um, I don't know it's so much around kind of the RFM area but a popular beer garden in the city centre um, 
is uh, in danger of, of being lost to, to another hotel. So, yeah, uh, I, I heard about this from Patrick. This is yeah. this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. the the hotel. What? Explain this one to me, Patrick. Because okay. how <laughs> did they get to decide that they were taking the beer garden? How did we come back to their property all of a sudden? Exactly. So this this beer garden. Um, I don't know. Some of your listeners may be well aware of it. It's um, it's it's shared between Fibber McGee's the living room and Murray's pub quite a substantial um, beer garden a good old spot there, there isn't too many of them in the city centre to be honest so I think that's what prompted this um, outpouring of uh, there's been over 4,000 people have signed a, an online petition to save it now sorry further to your, your first question like a politician you're avoiding the first question so what happened was um, originally um, was the Holiday Inn Express which is you know they're right beside the site as well they originally wanted to go up um, they'd look for planning permission for a seven-story extension of the hotel, but this was turned down because concerns over light, etc. So instead, uh, the council let them, and um, they said, okay, we, you can go for a, a six-story extension, um, which will provide an extra 95 um, rooms. But unfortunately, this extension um, will, will be demolishing um, this beer garden, and it'll be another kind of cultural space, I suppose to call it that, um, loss of the city centre to the ever advancing um, hotel <laughs> industry in the city centre um, so I said there's a lot of few politicians have gone on board as well um, Green Party TD Nessa Hurrigan she says she's appealing it um, a few other councillors got Dara Moriarty um, from Labour as well said thousands of people have, uh, have signed this something obviously people feel very very strongly about um, Fibber's great old spot and um, Synonymous with, I suppose, a few big bands have launched their careers there down the years. So, um, yeah, but uh, the future isn't looking too bright for us at the moment, but I, I, I can't see how they're going to get that overturned, to be honest. can't see the hotel back <laughs> that one to you. Yeah, but I mean, I, I suppose my, my theory on it is, is legally do the hotel own that ground? Yeah, I, I think that must be. Well, the fact that the three different pubs were sharing the space between themselves, you know what I mean? Well, the other side of it is uh, <laughs> Dublin City Council should know who was paying the rates on it. Yeah, well, you know yourself, Dublin City Council don't really seem to have shown much interest in preserving a lot of. Well, I suppose the cobblestones that was even like even the council pitched in there to to save the cobblestones pub. But eventually, I, eventually, yeah, I suppose when they saw the public outpouring as well. But yeah, a lot of these. I don't know if you've been in town lately it's just the hotels hotels and tra- travel lodges and so who's going to stay in all these hotels as well because we see all the time that Dublin's what second most expensive uh, capital city in the EU as well for, for everything so I, if, I was, if I was a tourist to be honest with you I wouldn't exactly be uh, Breaking the bank to come to Dublin, would you? Well, definitely not. And I think it was the, the what was it, the Traveller's Guide to the Galaxy or something? It was actually oh, yeah, that you the mentioned. Planet, the Lonely Planet, yeah. Yeah, the Lonely Planet. That's what it was. It was it was yeah. mentioned on that last week uh, as being yeah. horrendously expensive. And at the end of the day, we are very very good in this country, Patrick. And I'm sure as a journalist, you've seen it as well. We're brilliant. And making the same mistakes over and over and over again. We have been telling the same for years about how important our tourism industry is to us. Now, two examples of it are, and you mentioned that one there, 
the price of everything in Dublin and look at the price of car hire in this country. That will turn people off and you won't see the negative effects of that this year. You'll see some of it next year in 2023, but I guarantee you 2024, 2025, there'll be a lot of empty hotel rooms and a lot of cars sitting out at Dublin Airport. Absolutely, because, yeah, people don't like kind of, you know, you know having basically, you know, been taken for a ride because, you know, I know, I know this is a, the cost of living thing is a is a global um, problem at the moment, but some, yeah, some of the prices in Dublin are ridiculous, you know what I mean, for... Well, they're totally unsustainable, and that's the bottom line, you know. Yeah, oh, big time, exactly. Anyway, Patrick, we're, we're, we're straying into territories of commenting on current <laughs> government policies, etc. Where are we going from there? I see that there was um, uh, yourself, your good self there. You, you made it on the page eight this week in uh, Northside People East, just about your, your campaign, the, your uh, quit and smoking campaign. So I'd be putting you on the spot there. God help us all. I, <laughs> I saw a message about it yesterday that didn't mean a whole lot to me until somebody planted the paper in front of me this morning and I just put my head in my hands, shook my head, and I won't tell you where I went and what I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so the pressure's on you now. How's it going? Have you started yet? Or? I haven't started yet. Uh, I must actually make arrangements about starting that uh, because I have to kind of... Uh, work it into the programmes here every Monday I don't know Patrick look um, we'll give it a bash anyway and we'll we'll we'll, we'll give it an honest try like I won't try and cheat or, or, or you know what I mean I, I'll see how I get on I I just I was saying it last week during the chat with the, the people from the, the Northside Partnership uh, it put me in mind of Oscar Wilde I can resist anything except temptation <laughs> yeah, they're they're a scourge, aren't they? I was a, I I was that soldier myself for. Well, I suppose the one thing years. about it, Patrick, and and you know, it's something that I thought about doing one time, and I said no. If I do this, I'm going to absolutely, I I I'll go into meltdown. I was actually going to try and calculate how much I had spent on cigarettes over my lifetime. You know, oh, considering God. that I turned sixty in February. And I started smoking when I was 13, so, you know, th- th- there's a good government uh, TD's pay and pension gone up in smoke, I'd say, anyway, in the intervening period. It's a size, isn't it? I, I was the same, man. Even if it didn't matter, I remember when they used to put them up, whatever, 10. Uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, if they, they go above 10 quid for 20. What is it now for 20? I don't know. It's 13 uh, something now. Yeah. Uh, I remember when they went to 10, I was like, ah, oh, just kept going and kept going and they're, um, they're, they're definitely it's the hardest thing but honestly it's, it's the annoying thing is you don't you don't reap the benefits of it it takes about two or three months until the, the benefits are you really start to know you get your proper notice that's the annoying thing but I, when I got to that fact then it was, got to that part then you're like oh, right, I don't ever want to go back I don't have to go through all this again and I don't want to go back so you know it just it does say because we have one of my colleagues here she's given up as well after about 30 years smoking she was never I just said to her I guarantee you within, within two months you know you have this kind of zen moment where you go God almighty I can actually breathe and I can breathe better and everything I don't want to lose this so honestly that's what I found because I try to give up thousands of times as well and just eventually when you hit, you hit that sweet spot it takes a couple of months man but um, it's <laughs> um not not telling you what to do or anything, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend giving it a go because 
definitely the, the best thing you could do. Well, all, all encouragement, greatly appreciated. Patrick, we are out of time, my friend, this week. Uh, we will uh, touch base again uh, same time next week when you will bring us another smattering of the uh, material to be found on the Northside People. Until then, Patrick Condlin, editor of the Northside People, thank you so much for joining me. Patrick, it's a pleasure. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me, Donny. Take care now. Bye-bye. 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 And there he was, the editor of the Northside People, Patrick Connell. 90.3 867 1190 Near FM